and welcome to Team Titans, the stories of people with unique perspectives on work itself. They're defining processes, building tools, leading teams, and sometimes they're breaking those processes that they then just made. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Innovation Product Manager, Heidi Araya. Heidi, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me here today. And I am so excited to be speaking um, with you, with our guest, because you're going to be able to really uh, prod and poke and get some deeply insightful answers out of today's guest, Adaptivist Head of DevOps, Matt Saunders. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Ryan. Always a pleasure. <laughs> so good to see you, Matt. Your, your role as Head of DevOps has seen you move away from necessarily client-facing work, work to working with our CIO team. So, are you doing DevOps still? What are you? Are you still the Am DevOps guy? Am I doing guy? DevOps anymore? Mm, oh, that's a good question. Am I still actually the DevOps guy? Um, yes, I think I actually am. Um, okay, good. So let's have a look, let's talk a little bit about what's happened um, since I came into Adaptivist three and a half years ago. I came in with a fairly nebulous title of head of DevOps. I talked to Simon and others in the business around. You know, what does that actually really mean? Um, should we be, um, should Matt be doing DevOps and getting his hands dirty and doing things um, that are DevOps all day long? And we kind of came to the conclusion that, um, you know, the, the business is doing some DevOps. We're sprinkling DevOps everywhere. Let's do more of it. Um, so I kind of floated a bit around between internal teams um, doing DevOpsy type things, whether they are um, cloud engineering, working with Amazon Web Services or um, tools like Kubernetes and Terraform, and also going out to our customers in the consult team, um, our professional services teams, um, where they need some help in doing DevOps, whether that is with tools um, or in the more um, organizational process culture type level of DevOps, changing the way people um, actually work. Um, and so we identified that um, I've been working in the, um, the innovation community of practice recently um, with good friends John Turley, John Kern, and more recently as well with Heidi, which has been brilliant. Um, but actually, we're at an interesting time in Adaptivist where the company is growing fast. Um, and some of the things we've been doing for our customers, we could do with applying internally a bit more. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've taken that uh, new role under the CIO, um, under Neil Riley, to, to help um, bring more DevOps um, to us internally. Um, it's quite interesting how the things that you go off and do um, with your customers and you tell them things like um, uh, release software as often as you can, have lots of tests, um, you know, have um, cross-functional teams, um, how easy it is to not actually implement those sort of things internally. Um, and so one of the things that um, I want to do um, and that Neil wants me to do um, is, to, is to bring all that stuff out, um, make sure that we are actually um, a, um, you know, one of the leaders in how um, we develop and run internal services um, because they're much the same as what our customers are doing. Um, it's a classic bit of dog fooding. <laughs> so just to finish off on that, so I was a head of DevOps. I think I still am a head of DevOps. Um, we've, um, we've been very lucky and adaptivist in the acquisition we made, which brought a whole load of more of, a, of DevOps people um, and more heads of DevOps. Um, so yeah, it's, DevOps should be everywhere. So I'm really, really glad that there are lots of, lots of DevOps and lots of heads of DevOps around. So one thing that, that I look forward to speaking with you about today is something that I've seen you do at, in your role as DevOps, head of DevOps, and that is 
almost like team psychologist. I remember sitting down with you for a team meeting and thinking, was that DevOps? No, it was just an aspect of it. But I, I certainly do look forward to chatting through that. Well, yeah, it, it is. Um, there's, there's, there's a psychological element here, um, which you, of course, have directly experienced. I remember that session very well. It was, it was excellent. Um, and it can be a surprise um, when you think you're having a discussion about DevOps, which to a lot of people is all about tools, maybe Jenkins or you know, things with bizarre names to, to, you know, to onlookers. Um, let's do some Terraform and some Kubernetes and some, and some EC2. Um, but actually, is, um, at its more fundamental level, it intersects so nicely with things like um, Agile um, and, uh, and, and Flow. Um, you know, how do you actually get work done? Um, and we'll talk a bit, I, I'm sure, um, in the next few minutes around how Agile intersects with DevOps and how um, th there's, a, there's a whole class of stuff um, that looks like you should be doing, um, but actually it's just masking the interesting stuff, which is all about delivering value. Um, and so the session that we were, um, that, that, that Ryan's referring to, was one that wasn't really about um, technology. Um, and I think that's why we got a lot out of it, because we were looking at how do we get people to be able to do their best work um, and how do we get people to be able to deliver stuff. Uh, so, yeah. That's interesting. Um, in late 2016, early 2017, I happened to attend a conference and I met a DevOps consultant there. And after attending his intro to DevOps, I walked up to him and I was doing agile coaching at the time. And I said, we're saying the same thing, only you're just approaching it from a different angle. Um, and so we, we, we ended up collaborating on a talk called uh, DevOps, a Catalyst to Enterprise Agility. And we uh, spoke at a conference there a few times, a few different conferences. But um, what's, I'm curious what you've seen as when people approach DevOps and thinking about it from a tools perspective, because that's exactly what we found. Um, is there something that you normally start with when folks come up to you and say, hey, I, I want to do this DevOps thing? How do you start well, how, how do you start? Um, well, you find somewhere to start and you, you've got to. Um, sorry, that sounds like a terrible answer. Um, but what I mean by that is um, people generally want to talk about the tools. Um, but, um, and, and you can go in and spend a, a hell of a lot of money on getting in the right tools and consultants to put in the tools for you. Um, and, but, but I would encourage people to start small. I mean, if you're talking about doing things that are transformational, um, you... Whilst every company is um, individual and has its own particular needs, um, for most people, it, it is all focused around getting software delivered. Um, and you're only really going to find out the things that are really unique about you and your organization um, by going off and doing this stuff. Um, it kind of helps that people start talking about tools um, because, well, you can well, go in and give them some tools. Um, but I think the attitude you take to that um, is critical. Um, if you take it from the point of view of like, we've delivered a load of tools, therefore we're DevOps, hey, fantastic. Um, then all you've ended up with is a load of extra complexity, um, probably some more friction in, in letting people actually get stuff done. Um, I try and see the tools as being a bit of a focal point around what's going on around the tools. You know, who's actually running the tools? Um, how does that tool interact with the next thing down the chain? Um, how do people who are not directly running the tools use the tools or get value out of the tools? Um, and bit by bit, you start to um, unravel the whole system. Um, and by system, I mean not just a computer system, but 
the system of how you get stuff done, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the key there. Yeah. So it's really, was, go ahead, Heidi. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask, um, when, when folks approach you with tools, much like they may have approached me for agile coaching, I find that um, it could have been impacted by the organizational culture and hierarchy. So how do you handle that when someone just wants to implement a piece of the tool somewhere? I generally do a very big sigh, a bit like this. <sighs> okay. Um, sorry, that's very kind of old worldy, kind of cynical um, type approach. Um, you, you've got to you've got to take people at face value. You've got to appreciate where they are on their journey. Um, prior to Adaptivist, I worked in consulting um, for a while, uh, and we had a sequence of um, of engagements which were very much like this. It was like, yep, we got this um, uh, uh, this man or this woman who's who wants to go and implement some tools. Um, Matt, go and implement the tools for them. And you're like, okay. Um, and the worst thing you can do is, is go in and start challenging someone. Um, it, you start, it's as if you start to talk about something else. Somebody asks you, can you do the tools for me? And you're like, um, well, no, because of this, this, and this. Um, and quite often you find that... Um, and when I say this, 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 it is all about process and culture, exactly what you're talking about there, Heidi. Um, you'll find that possibly the person who's asked you to do that sort of thing um, can't actually, um, doesn't actually have any influence in those other areas, um, especially in the large, larger organisations. Um, and so from that point of view, um, you're in a bit, of a, a bit of a tricky spot. It's a bit like um, if you've got um, a picture that needs to be put on the wall, um, and somebody's uh, giving you a, a saw, um, they say, you know, can you use this saw to put this picture on the wall? You know, well, yes, you can probably do it somehow. Um, actually, maybe not with that terrible example, um, but it's the wrong questions. Um, so what I will be doing is asking the, the inward questions um, around, um, you know, how do you see actually deriving value from this? What is actually the value? Um, and given the right sort of culture, um, in the organization, those, those questions go down well. Um, I've had it work both, work, both, both ways. Um, there's um, some terrible examples of, of pathological culture, um, which is an actual thing. Um, if you look up uh, Westrom's definitions of culture, um, for example, the pathological, where um, you know, people are um, not really allowed to operate outside of their own um, uh, silo um, and that sort of initiative is is frowned upon because it might make somebody else look bad being in those sort of organizations you can tell fairly quickly what type of organization you're working with um, and the problem with those is it's almost tragic in that um, the organization desperately needs to change to not become like that but you've got no possibility of doing that in those sort of cases you're a bit stuck um, all you can do is work within those those narrow confines um, those things tend to end up with a nice new DevOps team where there wasn't one before. Um, and um, I'm being a bit negative about DevOps teams. Um, sometimes it's a means to an end. Um, but ultimately, trying to work out how value is actually delivered, um, the last bit of that is kind of DevOps. Um, and if you don't consider it as being a part of a bigger whole, like somebody has an idea for a product, so then some, somebody wants to write some code, um, and then somebody wants to deliver that, that whole thing, you've got to take that into consideration um, when you're putting in tools. Otherwise, at some point, it's all going to fall down. So for a second, if we could, let's step back to a company that is maybe not grown to the point where it's gotten 
um, that sort of that sort of parasitic culture thing happening, right? And there there is still like some uncertainty, and it's growing. And somebody up top says, "You know what we need is a DevOps strategy," because they read it in a magazine and they think it's a good idea. So, but they're starting fresh, and things are a little bit fuzzy. How are they going to go about developing a strategy to imp- to to be successful in this arena? I think the the fundamental thing behind a DevOps strategy is that um, great that it's being mandated from the top. Um, it should stay at the top, um, and it should continue to be at the top um, because these sort of things are, are are fundamental to how companies are delivering value these days. Um, so much of what any modern business does is around software these days. Um, and, you know, you can trot out examples like, um, uh, like Uber, for example, um, taxi companies um, that used to be about getting vehicles on the road, but actually it's technical. It's, it's a software problem. Um, everything that they do, uh, well, not everything, but fundamentally at its core it is. Um, so, yeah, DevOps strategy. CEO, you want the DevOps strategy? Okay, cool. Um, are you going to align everyone in your um, products world, um, in your development world, your marketing world around this DevOps strategy? Um, this is why you should. Um, because these things are so key, um, it, it's got to fit in. Uh, and it doesn't just have to be a DevOps strategy. It can be a more all-encompassing thing. Um, because again, ultimately, and I've said this a few times already, it's about how do you flow, how do you get the flow of, of value um, to your customers? And that ain't just DevOps. And if you treat DevOps in isolation, um, then you're not going to get there. It sounds like... Uh you might be thinking about also uh, start with the vision and the outcome, not actually what, what, what problem is DevOps solving, much like Agile. We're implementing Scrum or we're implementing an Agile framework here. With, and so Agile ends up being the goal or DevOps end up, ends up being the goal without really thinking about why are we even, why do we care about that? What's the bigger problem at hand? Mm. Totally, yeah. There's a danger there in that um, you can say, oh, I'm not going to go and install Jenkins on that server for you because we need to think about DevOps as an overall strategy, you know, and put into Agile and everything and um, high level. Um, but refocusing the discussion to be slightly wider um, is always a benefit. Because, yes, you're absolutely right, um, especially in big organizations. Um, these things can be intangible unless you make them tangible. And every time you make them more tangible, like delivering, um, I don't know, uh, an environment where you can do safe, for example, or an environment where um, you've got um, a CI system installed and running tests every X minutes or whatever um, could accidentally move you away from some of your goals. So you've got to be very careful to make sure they're all, they're all aligned um, but all within that, that wider scope. Well, I think we've, we've kind of danced around the issue a little bit. I think we just need to talk about how DevOps and Agile sort of overlap, right? Where, because you're both saying pretty much this, the same thing about the bigger picture, the strategy, where are we going, not, not here. And you're coming from, like you said, Heidi, in your talk, you're talking about the same stuff. So where are the overlap pieces? Maybe you two could highlight some of the differences as well. That's sure. what we want, differences, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start out with the, uh, the Agile piece. Um, so Agile really is about delivering value to customers frequently so we can get feedback and we can make better decisions. That's really what, what Agile is about. 
Um, I mean, I can say when, when I'm thinking about how DevOps adds to it, well, it helps us get releasable now. Like what, what kind of feedback are we receiving? How are we going to receive feedback and get feedback in ever smaller and smaller loops so we can reduce organizational waste? Um, but that, please add your perspective just as an agilist. I'm coming in here with mine. <laughs> yeah, well, so this is, a, this is a terrible interview because what you want is a bit of conflict. You want disagreement. And, and you know, so I'm like, grr, grr. Um, but, but yeah, it's two sides of the same coin. Um, here we go. I'll try and be slightly controversial. Um, those damn agileists, you know, wanting software delivered like all of the time because they can't make their mind up on what's going to be the right thing and they want to do a minimum viable product. I'm just a poor ops, ops person with um, my servers in a room and they want like, oh, they want to release 17 times a day and they've got 17 different things on the go. So I need 17 different environments. Um, that used to be a point of contention. Um, if you look at DevOps, the word, Dev and ops. Dev throw stuff over the over the fence to um, to ops. Um, but yeah, you lot want to deliver value, or, or you want to do your experiments to work out what is the right thing to do. Um, because let's be clear, um, it's almost impossible to work out what the right thing to do is um, uh, at a plumbing stage. That's why we don't do waterfall or anything like that because it's wrong. It's inevitably going to be wrong. The information that you find out later down down the development process reinforms your decisions and you have to go back. And part of Agile, of course, is, is acknowledging that that is a fact of life, regardless of how much we want to be able to plan things. Um, so, yeah, there was conflict, dev and ops, um, between the sysadmins and the coders um, because, well, basically, um, we ops just want stable systems. Um, we don't want people changing stuff because stable systems, things that aren't changing, um, don't break in new ways. Maybe they break in old ways because they're always breaking, but at least it's the same old ways. Fine, great. Um, but yeah, and here's where it all comes back together. It's um, the a definition of DevOps could be that it is actually providing the environment that agile people need to be able to prove the value um, in terms of delivering it, um, getting it out in front of customers. Um, one of the key things that I always come back to on this point is... Um, a blog post that an old CTO of mine, uh, a guy called Benjamin Wooten, um, when I was working at Contino, he wrote, which is around how um, environment provisioning was the key, um, a key differentiator between high-performing ops teams um, and non-high-performing ops teams. Um, this was written before the State of DevOps report came out, which talks about what those differences actually are, um, but they all kind of tied together. Um, and so, yeah, I've been that person with servers in a basement um, and have coders come and be like, oh, yeah, we've got this new thing. Uh, I want to try this out. Not really sure if it's going to work. Um, can you give me a box to try it on? And I'm like, oh, here we go again. We can do all that stuff now. We can automate it. Um, virtual servers, you want a server? Click, click, click. Bosh, there you go. Um, new environment, exactly the same as the last one. Click, click, click. Um, okay, maybe, if you, maybe wait a few minutes for the database to get provisioned, but fine. There you go. There's your environment. It's disposable. Do what you like with it. Do your experiments on it. Be agile. Brilliant. We're there. <laughs> That's one of the things that, um, and, and when I was collaborating with this DevOps consultant a few years ago, I ended up thinking, gosh, looking at the manifesto and the 12 principles, I thought they have the DevOps mindset in mind. So luckily with us, we have working, uh, working with us, we have John Kern, who is co-author of the Agile Manifesto. So I was able to ask him. 
And uh, he said that actually he had been preaching and practicing DevOps-like things driven by the need to see frequent, tangible working results. So I was happy to find out that I thought, just as I thought, they were really thinking about those things when they were writing, crafting the Agile Manifesto. John Kern was our first guest on Team Titan. So if you want to uh, listen to that episode, we'll include a link in the show notes. It is a mindset thing. I mean, we talk about an agile mindset um, and th there is a DevOps mindset as well. And they are, they are highly compatible. Um, when, when both sides of the relationship work um, in, in harmony, um, you've got uh, agile things going on, DevOps um, things, deploying them, reporting back on them, giving you feedback back into the cycle. Um, it's something you have to work on the balance a little bit on. Um, I and mean, it can't be all one way. Um, but ultimately, you know, that is one of the keys to, to, to delivering stuff. It's, it's being able to implement Agile and DevOps in a mutually compatible way. Um, and it isn't actually that hard. Well, this brings me to an interesting question, right? You've just described a scenario where things are happy and harmonious, where there are birds singing and unicorns frolicking in a field, right? <laughs> what about when things start to break down? How do we, how do we reconnect people how do we reconnect teams how do we refocus on delivering value to the customer it comes down to people um i was just going to say it comes down to empathy um you've got to have empathetic people um if you uh, and again these sort of things inform how pathological or otherwise your culture actually is um if you look at how people are rewarded um how uh, things that cause them stress in their in their in their work um you know the kind of even the joy that's, that's, that's brung, brought, sorry. Um, if any of those things are out of whack, then you start, you, you do, you start to get these little problems. Um, maybe there's a perception that um, the environments that the ops people are, are building for you um, aren't actually good enough or are not providing the right sort of feedback. And um, you, you can't, for whatever reason, you can't actually actively collaborate on those things. Um, but in a lot of companies, you can. Um, and I would stress that it's, it's a significant thing around leadership to make sure that those avenues are always open. Um, we, we're moving somewhat away from this kind of siloed approach where this team does this, that team does that. These people write code. These people write tests. These people provision infrastructure. These people um, respond to alerts in the middle of the night. Um, and you kind of need that to scale to an extent. Um, but giving everyone else an, an appreciation for um, what everyone else is doing um, can lead to some interesting positive effects. Um, so we talk about things like T-shaped people. So people who have, maybe you're a coder, um, but you have an understanding of everything else. Um, and one of the traps is that people feel like they have to kind of understand everything about everything. Um, and in an ideal world, that would be true. Um, it's, um, you know, it's a lot easier to, um, one of the problems with silos and people doing these very narrow roles is that you, um, it can be hard to understand um, what's going on at the interfaces between the silos. So if you're handing something over, handing a bit of software over from dev to testers, um, you've got to explain to the tester um, what the intention of the software was. And there's a whole series of um, informal discussions and contracts that go into that. Um, and taking this to its logical extension, um, you can get yourself into a better position where um, everyone has an appreciation for, for the, whole, the, whole, the whole flow, the whole cycle. Um, and so much more than that. Um, another example is stuff like um, being on call. 
traditionally being on call has been something that ops people do. Um, I've been there. Um, going back even back to the 90s, pager goes off in the middle of the night. Something's gone down. Oh, I have to get out of bed and fix it. Um, so um, I'll go and fix it. Um, the next night happens again because we just band-aided it. It's been fixed temporarily, etc. Um, if you put your devs on call, then um, then they get the page. Um, but they probably don't get it in the middle of the night because they probably see it earlier and they see, oh, what I'm doing there um, is causing this thing to go down at three o'clock in the morning um, so they can fix it. Um, so there's a lot in there. Um, but ultimately, um, it's, it's the working together. You consider yourself to be a, a part of a wider team, um, getting appreciation um, for what, each other, what other people do um, really gets you um, along but you have to have the right sort of people in the first place first time I ever sorry just one more point on this first time I ever did devs on call um, I was really surprised by the reaction uh, people don't really like being woken up in the middle of the night um, <laughs> that's fair enough right um, but who'd actually who'd have thunk it there's an interesting thing going on there which is that a certain class of person doesn't like somebody else being woken up in the middle of the night for something that they did, that they did wrong. Or that, not that they did wrong, but with hindsight, they could now do better. And so the first time I ever did Devs on Call, it was a tiny startup back in 2009, I think. Um, they loved it. The devs loved it. They were like, oh, right, okay, we can be involved in this stuff right at the start, um, you know, when it breaks, um, and stop it breaking again. So... That then leads to, oh, yeah, that sort of thing works, breaks, wakes people up. So you're writing some code, I don't know, uh, a month later, it's the middle of the day. Oh, yeah, you get an appreciation for what sort of things go wrong. Um, so in that environment, this went on call. Um, people stopped getting woken up because people were coding better. And you get all those sort of benefits from that. I can't remember what the original question was. I've probably <laughs> ranked on for about an hour on that one. <laughs> Sounds like empathy. Sounds like what you... Empathy, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have a question because you mentioned the word flow a few times in this um, call already. And so I'm curious whether you feel the concept of flow has been intuitive to folks or challenging for them to understand. I think it's really challenging. Um, I think we spend, we spend so long... Um, specializing on things um especially technical people um we're, we're encouraged to do that we're encouraged to specialize um you know be really good be a really good java coder um be a really good um uh terraform engineer etc uh, be a really good html slash css slash angular slash react slash whatever the hell front end's written in these days type person um and but the more you specialize the the less you can see your individual part um, you know, which actual cog in the wheel you actually are, um, if that's not a terrible metaphor. Um, and so being able to take a step back um, and be a bit more general to see, actually, yeah, so I'm doing this work um, and I'm probably motivated and my own serotonin levels are, are, um, are heightened by solving problems in my own particular world. Um, but actually, that's not the same as what my business is trying to do or the business that I work in is trying to do or, or the organization, whatever it is. Um, the reality is you look back at Agile, um, DevOps, it, it is all about flow. It's the flow of ideas from someone, something in someone's head to 
somebody writes some code um, to it getting actually delivered out. Um, and if you look at it from that point of view, that your system is always moving, stuff is always flowing through it, um, it's transactional. Um, and, and the faster you can get these things, they're not necessarily faster, but the more efficiently you can move things from one state to the next um, governs how fast you can go. Um, yeah, that's flow or value streams, um, any of these words. Um, but it is, it's, it's not what we're encouraged to, to think about, um, how we're encouraged to go into, um, especially going into computer science and its related disciplines. Um, it's actually around perfection, specialism of, in things. Um, we all know perfection is the enemy of finished, was it the way around? Um, and you get this interesting conflict in your mind around um, you know, what should you be prioritizing? Is it, is it getting things through the system or is it making them really, really good? Um, and yeah, that's a wake-up call for me when I realized I'd spent you know, months working on a particular project just trying to make it perfect. Um, and meantime, the needs of the business had moved on. They were interested in something else. And that thing I'd made perfect didn't need to be perfect. Flow, all about the flow. So Matt, we've been talking about quite a few things over this time. And uh, what are the current trends that we should be paying attention to? What should we be looking out for? I think um, I think it's kind of more of the same. Um, I think um, DevOps is a, is a thing, you know, it's been around since, I, I can say I've been doing DevOps since when I first started using a computer, um, but you know, really it started in 2009. Um, so seminal presentation around Flickr doing 11 deploys a day. Um, so yeah, we're about, we're about 11 years in DevOps now, I would say. Um, so in a lot of ways, um, there are, there are a lot of companies who are doing this well, uh, doing DevOps well, getting, getting the flow delivered rapidly and, eff and effectively and efficiently. Um, I think it's very easy for us to take our eye off the ball at this point. Um, there's a lot of people saying they're doing DevOps, or maybe they are. Um, maybe they implemented DevOps in a change, um, in, a, in a transition three or four years ago, and so now we're all DevOps. Um, I think there's, um, in terms of the principles and the concepts that are going on, um, there's, not, there's not a huge amount of change going on there, but we are still seeing um, new tools are still coming out. Um, systems are, are becoming simpler. Um, there's, if you look at some of the things that the cloud providers, people like Amazon, um, Microsoft, Google are releasing, um, there's not only new tools, but refinements of old ones and some solidification, particularly technically around um, using um, specific platforms. Uh, we're seeing a rise of doing things in a serverless fashion. So not necessarily just Amazon Lambda, um, but having that concept where you're not having to think about um, infrastructure too hard uh, to be able to um, get your stuff delivered. Um, and there seems to be now two camps. So people who can do serverless and people who can't. Um, rise of containers um, as technology, things like Kubernetes. Um, not that I'd encourage anyone, just anyone to go off and run Kubernetes, but you can buy that now. Um, and those sort of things are becoming um, much more commonplace in organizations. Um, big trend around companies who previously couldn't use cloud for whatever reason. For example, if you're a financial institution or a government institution, um, that is now changing. Um, people are moving away from things like hybrid cloud environments where you'd have um, some of your workload running in-house and some of it running on a public cloud provider. Um, and 
the people actually realizing that the effort of hybrid cloud is, to, is, is more than actually just having a migration strategy in case cloud A racks its prices up um, massively. Um, in terms of the people and culture stuff, um, again, quite a lot going on there. Um, I would point people at the Unicorn Project, um, it's come out quite recently, um, actually probably a year ago now, um, where Gene Kim um, talks about his, um, the five ideals of how to, um, um, how to create that environment where uh, you can get um, your ideas flowing out into production through product ideation, through coding, through testing, into the ops world. Um, again, some, some interesting, some very, very interesting insights in that. Um, those are the big things as I see them at the moment. Um, but yeah, the good thing is it's still, um, still on the ascendance. I look at the State of DevOps report every year. More and more organizations are doing things well um, and um, moving on to the next challenges. Thank you. Matt Saunders, that was really fantastic. I learned a whole lot today. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure talking to you, Ryan. And uh, thank you, Heidi, so much. Um, great. Um, it's really, really good to, uh, to riff off, um, off such a, um, a well-respected Agile expert as well. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to me rant for however long that was. Um, I really enjoyed doing that. And should, actually, no, I probably shouldn't do any more of it. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Heidi, thank you again so much for joining me as well. Yes. You're welcome. Thanks for having me today. And that's it for this episode of Team Titans. Make sure you subscribe to get all the latest episodes of the Adaptivist Live podcast channel and connect with us on social at Adaptivist. For Matt Saunders and Heidi Araya, I'm Ryan Spilken, and we'll see you next time on Adaptivist Live. Adaptivist.